Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey everyone, quick heads up for this week's story. My guest and I discuss sexual abuse and the grooming of minors fairly extensively, so if you are uncomfortable with those topics, please consider skipping this week's episode. Uh, That being said, I think it was a really, really wonderful and important conversation, so I'd love for you to listen. I think there's a lot of insight shared, and even I learned a ton today, and I'm very thankful for that. So that being said, please enjoy this week's story. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tell Me Yours, a storytelling podcast with me, your host, Trey Everett. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Tell Me Yours. I'm your host, Trey Everett. Today on the pod, I have a a great friend, a really brilliant artist, a poet, a singer-songwriter. She does everything, and she does it all extremely well. She is here today with a difficult but really important story. Um, Again, I know I had the warning at the beginning of the episode, but we do discuss grooming and sexual abuse at pretty significant length. Um, So again, if that's going to trigger you in certain ways, please consider skipping this week's episode. But again, I think it's a really important conversation. I'm so thankful to my guests that we had it. I learned so much from this conversation, uh, even just in terms of being an ally and how to spot red flags, things of that nature. Uh, Please welcome to the pod, Kat Hamilton. Me. I can still hear you, yes. Wonderful. And there's like a little picture of me looking cute. You look great, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Yeah. I mean, I'm wearing like the world's most confusing outfit because that's what happens when I, I just like, like leave the house for something. I feel like that's that's partly you though, too. You know what I mean? It was a, it's a very confusing look. There's some pink bike shorts, there's a blue button-down cutoff long sleeve. <laughs> There's some vans with like these weird ass socks. Brilliant. Because I, I ran out of the house being like, oh my God, my interview. I love it. I love it. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, so God. good. Thanks for doing this. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for asking me. But anywho, 
We're here to talk about a story. Yeah, right? yes, I know. We're yeah, let's jump. You and I know. Really I feel like you topic. and I could shoot the shit for like twenty four hours. I, yeah, we could we could talk forever. But yes, uh, you're also the first person to ever do that segue for me. So congratulations. Um, I do host a podcast with a you, friend of mine. We haven't I done an episode in like a year. I'm aware. I was going to ask you about it. Um, yeah, you are here because you are going to tell me a story today. I am. And I'm going to tell you a story that I've actually never really spoken about in public. I was also aware of that because you told me, um, (laughs) yeah, um, I, I just want to, uh, I just want to say before we get into the story, I just wanted to say thank you. I know this is going to take like a level of vulnerability from you. And I'm already like so grateful that you're even willing to share it. And yeah, I just want this to be like a really comfortable, safe space. And I, I ha- oh. I'll probably have questions, but if anything, I, I ask, want you to ask that. Yeah. But if I do ask something that you don't want to get into or are not comfortable answering, like I'm not going to jump into salacious questions, obviously, but like if there is anything, please don't hesitate. It's not going to hurt my feelings whatsoever. Wonderful. Yeah, no, I'm good. I mean, I here's the thing. When you hit me up, like, tell a story, this was the thing that came to the forefront of my mind because mm. lately, I don't know whether it's because I turned 30, but it's crept into a lot of my music. It's crept into a lot of my poetry. Interesting. I've been working on a lot of therapy. Yeah. Um, and so it's really been at the front of my mind and I spent a lot of time thinking about it before I decided to tell this story on your oh. podcast because I was like, this is the story I want to tell, but I feel like I need to put some consideration into one, how to tell it, and two, yeah. like I wanted to update my parents and stuff. I, I wanted to stay communicative <laughs> yeah, because totally. this is ah, okay. Anywho, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just gonna pterodactyl scream really quick. I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but so first off, content warning, trigger warning, yes. grooming, sexual assaults, sexual abuse. Like, let's put that out there. Yeah. If that upsets you if you can't hear about that stuff i get it and also just skip my story yeah we'll join us next episode. week for a, yeah a story that's i hope that the next story is like yeah yeah i hope the next story is like somebody like shit their pants at their graduation party you know i will, I will ensure that it is yeah. like it better be i shit my pants at my graduation yeah. party ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm a survivor, um, and it took me a really long time to come to terms with what happened because mm-hmm. it's kind of cinematic, and I think the movies and TV talk a lot about it. It's very much like used as a trope. Hmm. Um, so I was in a secret relationship with a teacher, and I was 17, and the teacher was 35. The line is so far from crossed. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I started talking about it more because I, one, it was really nice to start realizing that other people had similar experiences. And two, you know, it's portrayed a lot on TV and movies. And I think in a way, because people think it doesn't actually happen in real life. You know, it's always yeah. like, you know, someone on One Tree Hills doing it with their teacher. Like, yeah, it's yeah. a very, like, pretty little liars and like, they use it for a plot because it's fantastical and they think it doesn't happen, Yeah. but it happens more than you think it does. It happened to me. And if I'm being a little like comical about it, I largely cope with trauma and pain through humor. It's to- what I've always done. Totally. Totally. I think it's that's like my vibe. super 
like natural for a lot of people to deal with trauma that way. I find that I do need to find humor in it because things about it are ridiculous. Things about it are cartoonish in the yeah. way it happened and, you know, the way I felt at the time and the way I feel now as someone who's much closer in age to the perpetrator than I am to Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, when you realize that like someone did something that like, and you're an adult now and you're like, I would never fucking do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, this is this is not the same, what? The, not the same thing. But I often think about that way about my parents. Um, when I like when you're when you're a kid and you're growing up and you almost like deify your parents. But then like, I mean, at my age, my parents had three kids, like they had had three children together. By exactly. The time they were my age. And I'm like, holy shit. Like I have. I mean, I think in this way, it's like, man, I have so much more respect for my parents as a, as people, as as individuals. Um, but yeah, I think I think that perspective, I think, shift changes a it lot can about be how we look about a lot of things. Yeah, totally. Almost cartoonish because, like, your parents have three kids, and you just figured out that Florida is actually Florida, like yesterday. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I personally knew that a long time ago, but yeah, I get what you're saying. <laughs> it took me way too long. How did you not know that? It's in, it's, it's in the name. I'm like, oh yeah, Flo Rida. It's one and word. Like, <laughs> that's what I was like, yeah, like Florida. I'm like, what? Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like one of my most embarrassing facts about myself, I think. Oh, that is brilliant. And it's embarrassing. But anyway, so let's go back to the beginning. <laughs> um, so when I was in sixth grade, I got my first guitar and my parents put me in guitar lessons like you do. And the person that they put me in guitar lessons with was this like 28 or 29 year old touring guitar player. And he had like long shaggy hair and kind of looked indie rock. Yeah. And some preface, I have always been kind of a weirdo. I know everyone says that, but like, there's a difference between saying it and then it actually being like 100% true. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, like I was a little 30-year-old at like five. I yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I wanted to sit at the adults table. I had trouble connecting to my peers, a uh, really hard time connecting to my peers. I often didn't feel like the activities that were age appropriate. Like I didn't do team sports. I had trouble. I left ballet because I kicked some girl oh, before geez. the performance. Um, you know, I just didn't connect with much. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I felt really isolated because my peers just cared about different things mm -hmm. than I did. And music I found pretty early on and fell in love with it pretty early on. And that was like kind of the thing, you know, that was the only extracurricular I kept. Like I was in Girl Scouts for a hot minute, but then I made Izzy Bronstein's streak at Girl Scout camp and I got in trouble and everyone agreed it was best that I left the Girl Scouts. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I know, poor Izzy. Hopefully she's all right. Um, <laughs> I can't imagine how hard that was to get caught naked at Girl Scout camp. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But so I was just different in a lot of ways. Like when I was nine, I told my mom I was going to run away and join the Moulin Rouge. I don't think I had a concept of what that entailed. But yeah. I think when you're, I think groomers really look for kids and teenagers who are like that. Yeah. Who are already isolated from their peers. For sure. You know, sure. and I try not to lump everyone together, but like 
I do think that's a quality that was that made me a good target for that kind of thing. And so I entered my guitar lessons. And at the time I was already listening to alternative rock music, indie rock music. I had lots of fantasies about being those people, being mm-hmm. the indie rock musicians and going on the road and having these stories. And I had this big old fantasy about moving to New York and playing CBGB, which is hilarious to think about now because yeah. CBGB is a relic. But, um, <laughs> you know, I just, I had a lot of fantasy around it. I was already very interested in music and writing songs. And my parents had noticed that I connected with that. And I was a goth. I was a Hot Topic goth yeah. at the time. Or maybe I was just starting my Hot Topic goth journey, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, it's definitely incremental. You start a little bit and then it just gets more and more intense. Absolutely. But so I started with a guitar teacher who, for all intents and purposes, was a cool, attractive, older guy. I mean, seriously older. I'm 11 and he's 29. but like he was everything I wanted to be and I think that's really confusing you know because like I had just so stars in my eyes and so we were in lessons together from 11 to 17 so like six years almost every week and I had a little crush on him for most of it um you know and now I identify differently and my queerness is a large part of who I am and I was seeing him every week for guitar and I was writing songs and he was giving me feedback on my songs. So for like a six year period, Mm -hmm. I have this person in my life who's only attractive and has the life I want, but tells me, like helps me write songs and gives me feedback. And guitar lessons ended up more like a mentorship in a lot of ways. Like, I don't think we learned much about guitar, especially now that I teach guitar lessons, you know? And when I reflect back on it, I'm like, wow, I learned so little guitar, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like crazy to think about six years of my life going to lessons for an instrument and I'm not like the most incredible guitarist that I can be. For sure. I'm not like, you know, a shredder. I'm not this insane jazz head. Mm -hmm. And it's largely because of that, because, you know, the teacher is largely responsible, especially in like a private teaching setting for keeping you focused and giving you, teaching you in a way that moves the momentum forward in your learning in bite-sized chunks. And I think, don't remember at what point I stopped learning, but Mm. I did, Mm. you know, like I it was there was no longer that momentum yeah 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 and now as a teacher that's a red flag because that means the teacher doesn't care about your learning and we would hang out and we had so much in common it's so weird to say it now like how much in common can you really have as an eighth grader but yeah. you know like yeah, yeah yeah it felt that way he felt like one of the most important pillars of my life in this like oasis away from the fe- feelings i felt of like being isolated from my peers being unwanted. I was bullied. You know, this was the heyday of uh, the I am chat room bullying. Ah, yes. Where you like come home and like everyone's like, die. And like you have like a hundred messages on your desktop. Sorry to laugh about it. It's not funny, but it's funny to me because it's cartoonishly evil that we had this medium where people can send you this. uh, Absolutely. And like when, cause I, you and I are similar, I'm a little bit older than you, but you and I are similar enough in age where like, that's an experience that like I am obviously very familiar with as well. And the, the other side of how comical it is is how fucking common it was now it's like universally recognized as like 
horrific and fucking inappropriate. But back then it was like a Tuesday. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you come home on a Tuesday and a bunch of teenage girls are like, I think you're ugly. You should shave your head. You're disgusting. You yeah, smell like so farts. Wild. Like it's so wild now. But you know, I had that. I had, it was gothish. I listened to different music, which is like, I only listened to different music, I think, because I already felt other. And so I leaned into it real hard. Yeah, that makes total you sense. You know, boys weren't interested in me, which... As a teenage girl, uh, girls can tell you there's a there's a large power ranking in the girls who boys are interested in and the girls who boys are not interested yeah, in. Yeah, interesting. I've written a lot about it in my poetry, which hmm. like a lot of poems I've yet to show people around the boys' interest in you is a totally. large part of who you are. And so totally. I didn't have that. And this all sets me up for what's to come. So it's mm -hmm. very important that you know more about me because... I don't know if you can know how it all lined up without knowing who I was as a young yeah, that person. Yeah, con that context is important. For mm -hmm. sure. And also, like, one of the reasons I'm sharing the story is because it happens a lot more than you think. Yeah. And it happens usually to people who show all the signs that I showed. Mm -hmm. Isolation, otherness, a lack of people, like a lack of friendships, a lack of people want having romantic interest in you at a time in which that's really valuable and like a commodity peer pressure bullying this all can help isolate someone and make them the perfect person to have this kind of stuff happen to you for sure so it was like a six-year-long relationship that was like it felt like a friendship to me but it felt like almost like this place I would run away to to be with someone who understood me mm -hmm. and he would go on tours and tell me all these fantastical stories and you know over the years i've had to kind of unpack all of that mm -hmm. so let's fast forward a little when i was 16 or maybe fifth even 15 things the dynamic shifted and it was just no longer about guitar anymore mm. like i'd say we'd talk for most of our lesson just telling stories yeah chatting yeah. Um, there was this bond that had developed where like, we weren't even trying, like he wasn't even trying to teach me a chord anymore, you mm. know? And I started music projects with my friends and I would show him what we were working on. And I was playing shows around my town as like, a singer songwriter, you know, when you reflect back on it, it's so sad because I just really needed someone who valued the things I valued yeah. in my life. And I didn't have that. And there was a person who kind of could see that yeah and would like would offer that validation would offer that validation which I so desperately wanted yeah you know and at the time it also coincides with me having crushes on people and starting to feel sexual feelings yeah 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 not necessarily towards him I mean there was a crush there for as long as I can remember for but, sure for sure for sure but the desire to have romances yeah 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 as the way it naturally does. And so I had, I dated a little, but largely faced rejection because mm -hmm. boys my age, and granted this was before a lot of my queer identity came out because like now all the fucking 13 year olds are like, I'm a lesbian, yeah. I'm non-binary. But like, we didn't have that. We did We'd not Ellen have DeGeneres. that. Yeah, we did not have that, yeah. And so like, what was I gonna do? Like I'm a goth chick and like the only like representation of what maybe is queer is like Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. You know? Yes, absolutely. So like we gotta put that into context. Like the world has changed really fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so boy approval was a big part of what I wanted and the kind of boys I felt myself attracted towards were the kinds I saw in magazines like Spin and Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. Like in bands, 
you know, like I met Z- Nick Zinner from the AAS one time in a clothing store when I was 15 and I started crying because <laughs> I was so in love with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, he's like a wiry skeleton hanging on a front porch looking dude. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's Halloween all year. Yeah. And I loved it. <laughs> That's like such an accurate description of that. Yeah, he's like just sunken eyes. So funny. You it know, he's like, Halloween this? all year and I was into it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how it felt. I love so that. We, that's so funny. Yeah. You know, my taste was pretty clear because yeah, I all yeah. the rock bands and listening to, I listened to a lot of Green Day and Good mm-hmm. Charlotte before that. And the relationship definitely started changing when I started blossoming into more of maybe someone who looked more womanly, but also somebody who had more of those desires totally and wanted not just for boys to see me in terms of how it impacted social situations but like wanted boys to like me and like i was fucking weird i would write like i wrote this whole album about one guy and i feel like i can say it now his name was kevin curlin and like we met up many years later and i admitted this to him um you know i wrote a whole album about him and then i handed it to him i like recorded in garage band gave him the album and i said can you check out some of my songs i really value your opinion and i was like 15. oh isn't that cute but like that so is actually creepy. honestly really cute i actually don't think that that's creepy i think that's really cute i can see why it would be weird for a 15 year old boy to get that and then put the pieces together oh, but... He was 17. Okay, but, okay. Uh, but still, you know. <laughs> but still. And, like, I had a big-ass crush on him. And he was a drummer, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, Like, you know, I I think about that now, and I'm just, like, the perfect candidate for a guy, like, person who I will not name on this podcast. For sure, for sure. To get close to at that time. And whether his actions were, were conscious, you know, I don't know if he's the twirly mustache villain, but I'm sure he noticed that, like, I wanted to be seen by people who represented my interests and represented where I wanted to go in life. Yeah, totally. You know, there's a reason I wrote a whole album about one guy who I'd spoken like 10 words to. Like, and in a way I'm like, that's so cool. Like, I can't believe I did that, but also like how creepy. Um, (laughs) You know, and I did a lot of that stuff. I had like big crushes on people, big fantasy crushes. And I would spend all night in my room writing songs about them or journaling with like one candle burning maybe yeah. like a mix cd that has like huba stank the reason on it <laughs> yes yes i, I know and you keep like know going exactly what you're referring and then, like, to and like like elliot smith angelus oh, and like my gosh. <laughs> you know and <laughs> and so so the relationship developed into like a camaraderie outside of music teaching mm-hmm you know, and like when you think about it, it's really messed up because my parents were paying him for this service. And at some point it transitioned into no yeah. longer being that service. Yeah. And like, that's really fucking crazy. Yeah. To take that money for what I was being given, which was a friendship. But like, that's not what he's here to do. He's here to teach you guitar. Totally. And it's good to be friendly. It's good to have like a good dynamic with your students. But you have to remember what you're there to do. Um, fast forward a little later. So around 16, I started feeling a difference, but I thought I was going crazy because Mm. how could a guy his age with his life who could have any girl he wanted be interested in me, Mm. you know? So I would never bring it up, but I felt something different happening. I just thought I was literally like making it up. I even like would tell some of my friends, I'm like, I have like a big crush on my private music teacher, but like, you know, and I feel like kind of crazy, like 
we've been talking so much and I feel so connected to him, but like, how could he ever see anything in me kind of thing? Totally. Yeah. And that's around the time that things, I could continue to feel things escalate. He started asking questions about my personal life, not in a sexual way. You know, he wanted to know what my dating life was like, which is batshit crazy when I think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, at the time it didn't feel crazy, but now I look back on it and I'm like, I would never ask. Like, there's occasion where someone I teach who's a kid will say, my boyfriend broke up with me last week. I would never solicit that information. For sure. Yeah, for sure. That's really fucking weird and gross. I think it's important to have space where the 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 child feels comfortable to be themselves and to share, but the idea that an adult would like actively seek that level of personal information is like fucking wild. It is wild. And even it would even be wild like if it were just like like your older friend's kid that you hang out with sometimes yeah. when you're yeah, all together. Yeah, yeah. You want someone to feel comfortable, but that's that's the first like real red yeah, flag. Yeah. You know, you build this long time relationship and when they start to be of an age that's appropriate for the person who's grooming for whatever A, B, and C reason, they start asking more personal questions. Yeah. Well it's it's like you said, like that dynamic shifts. Like it, there is a, yes. a very aware and present shift in the, the, uh, I guess relationship is the only term that comes to mind. No. And there is a relationship there because like six years is a long fucking time. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's a serious long con. And who knows how much of it was intentional, how much of it's conscious and subconscious. I don't want to make assumptions about that because ultimately like I don't like thinking that there's like a way in which I came in at like 11 12 years old and was already like being groomed for sure. in this very intentional way for sure maybe that's naive of me but I like I really like to not think of it that way I like to think of it as something that developed from one state into another so that like yeah at some point I noticed that I was lying to my parents about what I was doing in my lessons interesting Red flag number two. And nothing was happening in the lessons that was perverted, but so, I would, yeah. they were asked, you know, they would ask me, what did I, what was I working on? Yeah. And I'd have to lie because I wasn't working on anything anymore. Mm. You know, I would say the last two years I was in lessons with him, we weren't working on anything. I would show him a song, but we'd mostly hang out and like listen to music together, talk about what we liked, talk about our lives. And he had a girlfriend at the time who I'd met a couple times. And I think that like so much of this had to line up a certain way because I felt it shift, but he had a girlfriend and how could he ever be interested in me? Totally. Like this beautiful girlfriend. And so... Around when my 17th birthday, which is junior year in high school, because I was on the older side of the like cusp of when you get entered into a grade. So I start towards seven, turned 17 towards the beginning of junior year. Mm -hmm. That's when things really changed. So um, I was showing him some music. It had felt for a while that something was different, but I... I was not very experienced. So around those two years, I started drinking with people. I like made friends with the drama kids and we would drink together. And that's when my experience was would happen. Hmm. So most of my first experiences physically were intimate intimacy wise were drunk. Like I said, like I wasn't getting asked out. There wasn't 
a lot of my relationships were born in fantasy and largely existed in my journal. And when I got drunk, things would happen. But, you know, I wanted that closeness. And I realized when I was drunk, people were giving it to me. I didn't ask questions to myself mm. about why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what changed? You know, you learn about that later, about why that shifts. Why, yeah, totally. You know, but anyways, so... I'd had like a camp boyfriend and the camp I went to was in Boston and it was a college pre-college camp at the college I ended up going to Berkeley College of Music. So mm. um, it was this amazing vacation from my life. But so far in my life, people weren't interested in dating me. If I left my life and went to Boston, they were. If I was drunk, they were. But yeah, I had a really hard time with that. And so around my 17th birthday, maybe a little bit, give or take a few months, my private music teacher and I were listening to a song that was actually about a older man having feelings for a underage woman. And that's when he told me that he had feelings for me. Hmm. Um, so he was 35 and I was 17, which is a pretty sizable age gap. Yeah. And he basically was like, are you showing me this song because of us and what we are? And I was like, what us because like of course I had little fantasies but my god like you never think yeah, that it would yeah, actually yeah. that's like the world in which fantasy steps into reality mm -hmm. we talked and he was like you know I know I shouldn't have these feelings for you but I do and I was like you know I have feelings for you too but I've just never thought you would be interested in me mm -hmm. because it's a crime it's yeah yeah because it's also... fucking literally a fucking illegal yeah <laughs> Yeah, because it's super damn illegal. Yeah, fucking um, obviously, yeah, because it's a fucking crime. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, but at the time, it's like, because I'm this, because I'm that, like, and, you know, the following lessons after he shared his feelings with me were us navigating, us discussing our feelings for each other and basically what we were going to do about them. Yeah. And I had some real feelings. I mean, when I look back on it, they're as real as they could be. Totally. But also, a large amount of it is the intense flattering nature of someone like that having feelings for me mm -hmm. like when you're an adult even if you have a large age gap you know if you're 20 and someone's 28 you you know the difference between someone ha like being into someone because you're into who they are and being into someone because they're into you yes you know you know the difference yeah absolutely. and there isn't this weirdness that exists where they know so much more than you do and I just didn't know that much because I was in high school yeah and he had been around the world and slept with probably I don't know like 60 people and had a life and so I think that like it's really hard because we have to make sure in society that we you know and I'd love this to be something that people talk about in sex ed that mm. we let people who are um you know teens we really help them understand the difference between attraction and like your insecurities fueling piloting the ride because that's yeah. where it goes really wrong. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't attracted to a 35 year old man. I was insecure about myself mm -hmm. and his attraction felt good. That's a really big difference. Yeah. And like what I love, someone told me this a while back, like there's this quote of like, my interest in him was age appropriate. His interest in me was not. Oh, interesting. And that's what I think of a lot. Like yeah. when I talk, when I think about the difference, because if he, if I had been 22 and him 35, it would have been dating. Yeah, totally. It would have been dating. Totally. But it couldn't be dating because 
only one of us was having a normal experience. Yeah. I was having the normal experience 100%. of being attracted to the, someone based on their interest in me, based on the characteristics they represented. They were not having a normal experience. Yeah. They were having a problem related to whatever fucked up shit they had going on. Yeah. You know, it's not the same thing. And so I really think about that a lot. And yeah, I talk that's a lot like, about it a lot of therapy. Yeah, that's like such an, like a, an interesting observation. And just hearing, I mean, because like obviously I've never heard that before. I've never thought about it that way before. But like, it feels like it hits it on the nose so well. Of like, you were having an age-appropriate experience; they were not. Exactly. And so, you know, when people talk about ten years apart, we got to get really clear with the fact that age ain't nothing but a number. When both people are having an age-appropriate experience with each other. Yes. Yeah. And like, if you're thirty and someone's forty, your dating relationship is age-appropriate for both of you. Mm-hmm even 20 and 30 like i also think it has a lot to do with like the pretense of how this relationship began like mm-hmm. there was a very clear power dynamic and power structure in the inception of this relationship and i think that has a lot to do with it as well because i think even though yeah. if it's a 30 and 20 year old if that's how the relationship starts to me like even then it's like that's still kind of a little inappropriate of like hey you were in a very clear power dynamic over this person and like yeah i I don't know like i I, obviously like i have not experienced it so my opinion on it is essentially moot but you know what i mean like totally and i think to do with that to me as well and i think power dynamics are you know as someone who's experienced many different sides of them because this spoiler alert this relationship will not be the first time in my life that some fucky shit happened Mm -hmm. um but i do largely credit a lot of the fucky shit that happened to me from this relationship as setting a standard for what i would accept you know with power dynamics i think it's really important also to like say that like there are lots of different kinds and not all hold the same weight totally and i think people should be having conversations about it i think there should be more and more knowledge the most important part of the story is that he had these feelings and didn't change his behavior and remove himself from the Mm. situation you know we, I didn't see a need to remove myself from the situation because that was an age appropriate thing for me to see the situation as. Yeah, totally. But he really has, and you know, hopefully he thinks about it now. He's not in jail or anything. I hope he thinks about it now that the real, the real thing I wish he had done is just removed himself before it could begin. Yeah. Whenever these feelings started, he should have put me in with another teacher. Yeah. We need to make sure that there's a level of transparency about this is what this person should have done. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. But if it's a kid and an adult, he just needs to go away. Yeah. Yeah. Just go the fuck away. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know, whatever money he was making off of me as a student was definitely not worth the risks he was taking with whatever he was feeling. Yes. And I'm sure lots of people would hear that and go like, I can't believe you're being so freaking nice. But like... <laughs> I think in a way, like for me to understand the situation, I do have to separate the human from the monster Mm. because that's the only way I'm going to be able to learn certain things from it and forgive myself for certain ways that I was like, a large part of it is end up, like you end up trying to forgive yourself because you're, you did this and said that and well, it wasn't all him, Mm -hmm. that feeling. And, you know, like, it was a high. It was a total high. So as the spring game of my 17th year. um, Wow, I sound so, like, old-timey. Okay. Um, So in that spring, things moved into a dating relationship. So, like, it went from, like, conversations around feelings to an affair. 
of sorts. Mm. You know, I don't know how it lines up with him getting out of that relationship with his girlfriend. You know, it's very possible he still had the girlfriend. Who freaking knows? Yeah, totally. I didn't ask questions. Not about that, at least. I was just feeling lucky to be seen. Yeah. And it kept me from asking a lot of important questions. And so it started into a dating relationship. And I, um, we were still doing lessons and he was still getting paid for a little bit of that. But, you know, there, was, there wasn't all the sex stuff, but there was some sex stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I was a virgin, so I hadn't experienced that before. That, like, I had done other things. For sure. Also drunk. Yeah. Also drunk yeah, when yeah, doing yeah. that. I hadn't had that experience. And, you know, I, we started dating, I guess. I would come over to his apartment and hang out. I would lie to my parents, say it was with my friends, lie to my friends, mm. say it was with my parents. Um, because for him, he doesn't have to lie to anyone. There isn't this, like, when you're a teenager, you are accountable to so many people because your parents need to know why you're not home. Yes. Yeah. So you're with your friends, but you're not actually with your friends. So you have to lie to them too. Mm-hmm. And I had, I had my driver's license at the time. So I would drive over to his apartment and we would have dates and talk and hook up and whatever. And we one time had the world's weirdest date where we went to the outdoor shopping mall and just like walked around the pottery barn. <laughs> okay. Which I guess, what do you do when you're like a fucking old ass guy dating a teenage girl? Yeah. Like there's not much you can do together. So you're like walking around Barnes and Noble terrible. <laughs> and like having book fights. I don't yeah. think that people do that, or, but like we like throw books at each other in like a cute it, way. Yeah. It's just like, it, oh man, <laughs> it's just like, it, I don't mean to like, again, I know we've, no, of we've, we've said it over and over again. We don't mean to make light of the situation. It's just so fucking juvenile. So again, exactly. the, I, the idea of that date is something I did in high school. Like I went to Barnes and Noble with my high school girlfriend and we threw books at each other. Like, yeah. because that's what fucking kids do. Like you walk that's around okay the pottery to do when you're a kid. It's not okay to do that me, when you're fucking, when you're fucking closer to 40 years old. Like, oh I my know. God. Isn't that crazy? It makes me so angry. Yeah. I know. I get angry about it too. Yeah. Because I'm like, you fucking, you did all this shit. You could have gone to jail just to walk around Pottery Barn with me and like pretend we owned a couch. Oh my God. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how crazy is that? You know, it's, and that was like the dates we would go. If we went in public, you know, no kissing, obviously, no holding hands, but like, we couldn't go to the movies together. Even, even just we the couldn't I- have dinner together. Even just the idea that you knew that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, hey, we can't. Exactly. Like, we can't show code. affection in public because, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Ugh. You know? Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's wild. It really, it genuinely it's a is really, wild. It's genuinely wild. So, like, what do you get? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does, they charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. 
Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I do. So you walk around Barnes & Noble throwing books at each other and you walk around Pottery Barn and drinking Starbucks coffee. And-, and and again, as a child, you're able to rationalize that as like fun and normal because for a child, that is fun and normal. You know, I didn't have a lot of um stuff to go on as to what teens did together when they dated yeah totally totally what did we, you know where do we hang out kind of thing you know i'd been on a date to the movies once but me and me and the person i you know who should not be named couldn't go to the movies because yeah, that would look yeah, fucking yeah. weird yeah and people would think he was like my dad or something yeah or my yeah. uncle taking me to the movies like it's just and that was too much of a risk yeah. you could run into people oh, you know and you'd be at the movie together at least if you're at barnes and noble and you run into someone you know you could like separate oh my god or be yeah. like we just ran into each other isn't that just bonkers it's just like yeah i mean it, it's all like the moral of the story but like it's just like yeah just the to put yeah i, I mean honestly, yeah 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 it's fucking yeah. bonkers yeah <laughs> and that's i think why i reflect on it with humor because in some ways these things are very cartoonish what happened to me yeah there's no subtlety in it this wasn't like a subtle like a lot of you know i'm not gonna like all grooming should be taken seriously 100 percent. but there are lots of different levels to what that looks like and i experienced a very extreme one you know one where the boundaries were really clear where it was against the fucking law in every way and like at some level you were both aware of how wrong it was Oh, yeah, we had conversations about it all the time. Yeah. Because unless you're in his apartment, you're outside having to navigate. You need a cover story. You need, yeah. there's so much lying involved in this situation. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, really normalized secrets and lying for me in a way that I wish it hadn't. Yeah. Because that colors my entire adulthood. To for, sh- for sure. Keep Secret keeping ended up becoming one of my main skills in life. It got me in a lot of trouble, largely because of this man. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying that I didn't have experiences before him that color my adult dating life. We all form those very early on. Totally. But but yeah, to your point, it, it's different. It's different. So anyways, yeah. like, you know, things escalated from the more like innocent Barnes and Noble book fights to more and more intense situations in his apartment 
you know, sexual situations. Um, we had a very clear, you know, it's so weird now because I'm, I'm queer and sex can be defined in so many ways. Yeah. And so the boundaries that he thought he had were like getting him out of trouble, like aren't really boundaries in my world. And it further isolated me from experiences because like spring of your junior year of high school, that's such a time in which you're starting to feel around for identity. Yeah. You're starting to hang out with different people because you're starting to form your own opinions on humans and not just going with who you knew in middle school. Mm-hmm. You're forming interests. You're getting ready to apply to colleges. There's this idea of what's next. And so we had a lot of conversations about where is this going to, where can this go? Mm-hmm. Because where can it go? And so I was lying to everybody, spending a lot of time at that apartment, crossing a lot of boundaries, having a lot of experiences that I couldn't tell anyone about because I couldn't tell anyone. Yeah. And that's really hard because some of these were like my first experiences. And yeah. I couldn't tell it started escalating, I think, to a point where he started getting panicked because as you navigate that dynamic, you have started to see all the ways it's like not sustainable. Yeah. Like he was going on tour and calling me after shows from like in secret. And that's like really insane to think about him like making up excuses to go call his teenage girlfriend yeah. from like Omaha. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then I went to my prom and I called him from my prom. I was like, I miss you. I wish you were here. And of course, he can't fucking be there. That would be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes. And I think it's just surreal because I think about like, what would it like? I'm like, you seriously talk to your like teenage girl on her prom night? Like, and I'm not experiencing prom because I'm missing someone who can't go with me. And like, it's this real soup of fantasy. And I could tell that I was losing patience with the lying. Mm. You know, like he was ramping up anxiety over getting caught. I was losing patience flying about everything I was doing to everyone yeah, in my life. Yeah, yeah. And like th- things physically had escalated as well, which let's take the disgusting shit off the table. It just sucks to be a teenager having all these first experiences and not being able to just like tell your girlfriends about it. Yeah. And yeah, they're yeah, talking yeah. about their experiences. You know, that's a time in life in which all your friends are like, oh my God, like we did this yeah, and it felt like this. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I just kept feeling more and more on the outside of life because this huge part of my life I couldn't share with anyone. And and when things are escalating more physically, I told him that we needed to stop it being guitar lessons. Hmm. I was like, I don't think my parents should be paying for this. Hmm. And he's like, yeah, 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 you're right. I told my parents I didn't want guitar lessons anymore. They're like, why? And I had to make up a lie being like I had outgrown them. And I felt like my musical, like, I think I like said some really adult shit. I was like, you know, I've outgrown this musically. And like, I feel like my artistry is leading me elsewhere. And like, <laughs> you know, I think that another example of how I was like the perfect person to get in this kind of situation with, because yeah. I was already so eager to be, I wanted to be 25, like fucking yesterday. Yeah. I wanted my teenagerhood done. I wanted to have all the experiences. I was hungry for more experiences because I felt like it would make me more adult. And the more I dated an adult, the more I wanted to be more adult. Yes. To make it work. Yeah. You know, so I called that part of the life off. And so it was just me sneaking off to be with him. And yeah. then prom. And prom was like a catalyst because prom, I think, is when he started to realize what a fucking idiot he had been interesting um because he like you can't come over you know 
because I was like, I want to come over after prom. And he's like, you can't come over after prom. Like, it's not a good idea. You know, stay with your friends or whatever. And I could start to see the cracks in all of this. Our time together was starting to feel really different. We were starting to spend less time together. Mm. He was more busy. I put that in parentheses. Yeah. Because I think, I think he was starting to realize what a mistake he had made. Totally. And so he was... He was on tour and I was with my bet one of my best friends growing up and she and I hadn't connected in a while and we were hanging out and I started crying and I was like I have to tell you something I was like I have a secret you can't tell anyone but I need someone to know mm. and I told her and she was like that's fucking horrible mm. she was like that's gross and, you know, the more I talked to her about it, finally having someone to talk to about it. Yeah. Like, she's like, like, what a scumbag. Like, ew. And so this was, I think, like, at the end of the spring, early, early summer. And I called him and he was on, I think he was in, like, San Diego playing a show at a bar or something. I don't know. Um, and he stepped out to call me and we talked for a second. I was like, I have to tell you something. I told my best friend about us. I'm so sorry. I know we have oh, rules. Yeah. And he got I really know, upset. I know we had rules. Oh my God. Like that in, I know. Like, that in itself is like so gut wrenching to me. I'm sorry. Isn't it? I know we had rules. Oh fuck. Like as hell. like coming back with the tail between my legs. Yeah. As if I had done something Christ. horrible by just telling someone in my life that this was happening. And I, you know, he was upset. And then he got kind of soft about it. I was like, well, I understand where you're coming from. Like, this must be so hard on you. And that's the day we broke up on the phone. Mm. We never saw each other again in that time frame. I was like, look, I don't think I can lie to everyone in my life anymore. Because we were talking, we were going to celebrate my 18th birthday together. Mm. And we had plans. And then we were going to be more public after my 18th birthday. We we're going to go on like a real date. And it's so funny to think of now because there was never that option. Yeah. You know, you trick yourself into thinking there's that option. But yeah. what are you going to fucking tell people if you go on a real fucking date? The day you turn 18. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you go to dinner and like, oh, it's so weird. We just ran into each other meet? at the local Barnes and Noble and we're going to go grab dinner. Yeah. How'd you meet? Oh, we met yesterday. Oh, my God. At, you know, yeah. 8 45 in the morning. Exactly. Like, there was never a version of this yeah. that worked. But uh, we both tricked ourselves. And again, let's come back to the age appropriate. Yes. We both tricked ourselves into believing there was a world in which this worked, but only one of us was doing that in an age appropriate way. Yes. Yes. You know, we had a talks about my 18th birthday. You know, we talked about me going to college like, and we hadn't come to an agreement about what that meant for us. I'm like, I'm oh. definitely going to college, not in California. So what the fuck would happen then? Yeah. But that was, you know, a year and a half away or something, you know, it was a while away. Mm -hmm. We had all these plans and, you know, we'd go public and all this stuff. And, you know, it, it couldn't ever happen that way. Right. Like there was no world in which I could tell my parents this. Yeah, for sure. There's no universe that existed where he could tell his friends. And I think that started to hit me after I told my friend, mm -hmm. after I finally confided in someone where this whole universe we had made up where this could become right. If given enough time, if given the right kinds of boundaries. Yeah. Like where we could finally be a real couple. It didn't exist because we yeah. weren't a real couple. So I broke up with him on the phone because I was I was like, I know that 
you know, I'll be 18 in five months or something. I think it's five months away. Like, I know I'll be 18 in five months and it's not that long. I'm like, but I can't lie for five more months. I'm like, I don't want to spend five more months trapped in lies. He's like, that makes total sense. You know, honestly, I think he was relieved that I was ending it. Yeah, probably. I don't think he wanted to try for another five months either. And so that's how I guess it ended. And afterwards I made some, I I kept making really bad decisions and it took me like eight years to understand why, you know, intimacy and sex was never, was never the way other people saw it. I no longer saw it as romantic. It was like a commodity to be traded. There were just so many things that were normal for me. Lies became very normal for me. Secrets became very normal for me. Like, and um, it's been something that I didn't even address until my later 20s or like mid 20s, like how much it affected me, how much it changed the world for me before I even had a world. And like, when we think about the nature of this kind of crime, that's really what it takes from you is like, you haven't even had a chance to set up your own bearings as to what relationships, sex, intimacy, friendships are. You've only accepted the truth that other people have given to you. You haven't given, you haven't made your own world yet. And so he set a standard for me to accept in the world I created after. And I think that's a really important thing to think about. Like, you know, like in Perks Being Wallflower, like we accept the love we think we deserve. Like that is kind of the situation. Like I was given an, I like a structure for relationships that I therefore accepted as okay and repeated many times not as the abuser, but repeated many times in terms of the secrets, the lies, because I accepted it, the less. So people had affairs with me throughout my 20s, secret lies, less. I had a really hard time asking for monogamy, Mm. for commitment, for labels. That was really hard for me. And I didn't put two and two together. Um, It created distance between me and my parents. Because, you know, a a year after the relation, you know, over a year after the relationship ended, I went to college across the fucking country and I didn't call them this much. Mm. And there was a distance there. Took me a long time to understand that distance and why it was there. You know, and there were other things. I'm not saying this is the only thing. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, So when I was, I guess, almost 26, I told them. So that's almost 10 years after the fact, you know, or nine years after the fact, I was like, this thing happened and I'm sorry, I never told you, but it's time. And I had my reasons for why it felt like time, but I can't tell you how it changed my relationship with my parents. We're so close. Hmm. I've got such a healthy relationship now in a way we didn't before. And I realized that the secret had kept like this hold on me. Totally. Even after it ended. Understandably, yeah. Because there was a part of myself I couldn't share with my parents, if that makes sense. Absolutely, it does. And so, like, before I went on this podcast, I even called my parents and said, hey, I want to talk about this. What do you think? Like, the fact that we can do that. 100%, yeah. And of course I didn't tell them. You know, like, they responded so well. They were like, we wish you had told us, but we get why you did it. Yeah. And it's not your fault. You know, you didn't do anything wrong here. Like you're not, all of this is because of him. Even the stuff that feels like it's because of you. And then they're like, what do you want to do about it? And I chose, I let the statute of limitations lapse and have yet to seek any sort of justice. And I still don't know how I feel about it, if I'm Hmm. being real. I feel like I keep taking more and more steps 
to heal the wound. And I don't know if justice feels like it's going to heal the wound, but I also don't want anyone to go through what I went through. For so sure. I have a lot of conflicting feelings about it because he still lives in my town. He's still doing his thing. To my knowledge, he still teaches guitar lessons. Nothing has changed. And at least someone should really not be able to be a teacher who's yeah. had that behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just not okay because they obviously didn't respect the job enough mm -hmm. and respect the people they were working with to have that job. So it's very difficult for me to make sense of how I feel around the justice system. And when the Me Too movement hit, it was really hard for me. I never posted a Me Too. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I never, and I've talked to a lot of people who feel similarly. Yeah, I can imagine. I think the, the Me Too movement, you know, it's great in a lot of ways. It's also super fucking triggering in a lot of ways. Because yeah. you're suddenly seeing things that you buried in other people's life stories that they're sharing. Mm -hmm. You see it everywhere. Like I've never, I had not experienced this level of like, going on Instagram or going on Facebook and everybody's fucking talking about this thing I went through. Yeah. Yeah. And sharing memes about it. Yeah. You know, when we think about the movement and like, I'm very supportive of the movement. I just, it was jarring and incredibly challenging for me Yeah. to suddenly exist in a world where everyone's fucking talking about this huge secret that I had. And like yeah. this incredibly long-term secret I kept. I mean, I was in, you could argue I was in the grooming period for six years. Mm -hmm. And then I kept the secret from my parents for like eight and a half more years. Mm. So that's like a lot of years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me do some quick math. Yeah, that's a lot of fucking <laughs> years. <laughs> you know. And I'm like, I'm suddenly confronted with seeing it everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, your whole BuzzFeed is all of these headlines and like, you know, like, I'm really glad I'm talking about it. I'm not, I'm finally in a place in my life where I feel like I can. Yeah, for sure. For so many reasons. I feel like I can talk about it and I feel like I need to talk about it because I'm starting to understand more of how it happened, why mm. it happened. The red flags, you know, I think for so long I didn't talk about it because prior to the Me Too movement, it actually sort of felt very binary. If I talked about it to the wrong person, it becomes justice. If I told my parents, it becomes action. Oh, interesting. That I had to be ready for. It was much yeah. bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. It's gotten smaller over time. Like, I could still, I mean, I know the statute of limitations lapsed. I could still do some things, but it is nice to talk about it knowing that it doesn't have to be Today, I'm going to walk to the police station. Yeah, yeah. Tell yeah. the police about some shit that happened. Yeah. You know, 14 years ago, whatever, 13 years ago. Yeah, totally. Totally. I get that. So sure. I get that. Absolutely. And like my parents are angry, but they also recognize that it's mine. Yeah. You know, my brother's angry, but recognizes it's mine. Like, yeah. And I'm starting the process of like, as I get closer to age to the perpetrator, how can I share my experience in a way that helps other people recognize the signs that this is happening? Mm. Because no one would have ever known it's happening because the secrecy gets, it starts small and it gets bigger and bigger mm -hmm. and incremental, right? Like the first secret isn't the relationship. The first secret was that we stopped learning about music. Yeah. Yeah. 
and like seemingly something that's like so innocuous and like so innocent it's like that's like such a small secret to start with you know what i mean yeah it starts with a little secret and it gets bigger and bigger it just snowballs yeah absolutely until the secret gets overwhelming and that's you know how the relationship broke so when i was 21 i went and had a drink with him in my town i wanted to know what it'd feel like hmm. and having a drink is a very adult rite of passage yeah in a bar um and he was pretty creepy hmm. <laughs> he was still hitting on me still interested you know and who knows the complexities of that maybe there was for sure yeah for sure for him in terms of like, needing to make it real you know needing to make it have like i'm 21 i'm now an adult he's i don't know like 40 it was bizarre so i had a drink with him and I didn't tell anyone in my life I was doing it. So there again, like the lie comes back. Yeah. Because it like builds on itself. And he was creepy and I felt sad for him. That was my honest experience. Mm. And he's never apologized or anything. He's reached out to me a couple of times, just like in music ways, like cool song or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is like beyond weird. Yeah. And it's a story that doesn't really have an end. The most I can hope for right now in my life is that the more I share it, the more people get education on how this, how this happens. Like if I ever, I don't think I'll have a kid, but if I ever did, if I were a teenager, I would want them to have a lot of information about like how adults can take advantage of them and what are the signs because it starts so small. Yeah. You know, when you think about the story, it's such a small start to such a big story. Oh, we did it. Man. Isn't that crazy? That's wild. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that. Honestly. Um, I cannot even really begin to imagine what that is like to experience. Um, but in my very limited knowledge of people, um, I am glad to know it, it, I'm glad to hear you articulate that story in the way that you did because I think it shows I think it shows a tremendous emotional depth and just being in even just how you have chosen to phrase things and how you choose to how you view them now and how you think about them now like I, yeah I think I just think it shows a lot of a lot of depth in terms of like emotional maturity and like yeah like I said like I haven't experienced anything remotely like that and so the context of, of what I'm able to emotionally process is very limited. Um, <laughs> but yeah. You did a great I, job. I, thank, you, oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for validating that this is actually about me. This is my, no, this is <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I just can't imagine like, and again, like you said, it's just something that is, it's just so much more common than we, than we want to believe it to be. And it's a fucking shame because it's like, if so you ever horrific. want the, sorry to interrupt, but if you ever want to know the right way to handle, if someone comes forward about this kind of thing, whether it be, you know, something like my experience or just something in the umbrella of assault, the only right thing for you to do is to let it be theirs. Mm. I love that. I mean, I hate like, that, but I have, love that. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that it's hard. It gives you a sense of hopelessness and helplessness, but it has to be theirs. Yeah. 100%. Because if my parents, like, after I told them, went to his house and, like, 
beat them up. It's really funny to imagine my parents like going to someone's house and beating them up. But <laughs> if they did that, they're taking it away from me. Yeah, 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 I get that. And the only thing I get to have now, because I can't, I don't have a time machine, is that I get to have who I tell it to, when I tell it, mm. how I tell it. It's yours, yeah. It's mine. Yeah. And if I want to walk into a police station and be like, this thing happened and go through that process, that's mine too. Yep. If I want to reach 100%. out to other people and try to kind of, you know, and like last summer I made this big step and reached out to a couple people who I knew had mutual friends with him on Facebook and didn't in any sort of shaming way, but just wanted to know if they had studied with him and if they had had a similar experience. Mm. Not in a sense of like, block him, yeah. form a militia, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's yeah. start a Facebook group, <laughs> Yeah, you know? Yeah. I and so it. I think that's like, really wish people would understand that it's, it's ours. Like what happens to you, it's yours. You get to decide what you do with the information because that's the way you reclaim power. That's the mm. way you heal. It also took me many years to decide what I want to do with it. So, yeah. I love like, I love that I, I that concept of let it be theirs is, I think is 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 poignant and brilliant and on it, I I know you I know the story doesn't have an ending but like I think that's like the perfect like button at the end yeah I think to so like, too yeah just let it be theirs I love that just let it that's the best way to be an ally yeah you, there 100%. are a million ways to be an ally that that keep that you can still let it be the person who's confiding in you story yeah for sure for sure. I will say, like, if this resonates with you, you know, reach out to me, DM me. We can have a conversation about it. I'm pretty, you know, at this point, like, if I'm sharing on a podcast, like, we can talk about it yeah, in my yeah, DMs. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I'd love for someone to share with me their experience. And, yeah. Because that's, like, how we build community. And that's also how we learn about this particular problem. Yeah, 100%. So DM me. I love that. Um, Kat, thank yeah, you so much. This was so, this yeah, so this nice. Was so great. Um, this is so funny that our first like real, our first actual conversation, conversation is yeah. like, the most intense story of my life. <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, I don't know. It's pretty on brand for us, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is, and that's very on brand for me as well. Like, I, I like to cut it. to the bone. Yeah, when yeah I can. Yeah. I'd rather know someone in reverse, like trauma first, first name later. There you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yes, thank you so much. Sincerely, you're the best. And I hope that we can actually hang out soon. I would really like to do that once the yeah. surge is like a hundred percent. Yeah. You know, well, well let's figure out what the next surgy. variant looks like and then we'll figure out our plans. Wait, Jesus. what's the name of wait, can you name a transformer for me? Uh any... Optimus Prime. Okay, that's the next variant. Is it? Fuck. No. I'm so glad I didn't say Megatron. <laughs> um, Omicron is like on variant. Oh my god! <laughs> Sorry, they all sound like yeah, they really other do. than the word COVID, they all sound yeah. like Transformers to me. <laughs> oh man! All right, cat. Have... My Omicron. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I'm glad I could give you a full belly chuckle on your way oh, out. Oh, man. Oh, I appreciate it. I do.
Um, you're the best. Have a fantastic rest of your week and your weekend. I hope you have a great weekend. And yeah, I'll, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, sing out. Yes, please. I would love that. All right. All right. See you later. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Thank you, Kat, for being vulnerable and transparent and just willing to talk about this issue and your experience. If you or anyone you know are experiencing something like this, please seek help. I have some resources in the show notes of this episode, and Kat even offered to be a resource herself. If you want to follow Kat, Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you listen to music, just look up Kat Hamilton. Her songs are awesome, and she's an incredible artist. Follow her along on Instagram at Cat Hamilton Official. And if you want some extra time with Cat, head over to the Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Tell Me Yours. Uh, I love Cat; she's wonderful to talk to. We had a great time chatting, so you get some extra time with her there. If you want to follow us, Twitter and Instagram, we are at Tell Me Yours Pod. Thank you again so much for listening, especially to this week's story. Again, thank you, Cat. It was so wonderful to connect and chat. Until next week, be kind to each other, and we'll talk soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.